Hey, welcome back to the Offset Podcast. This week, Robbie and I are talking about something that colorists have been talking about for a long time, film print emulation. Stay tuned. This podcast is sponsored by Flanders Scientific, leaders in color accurate display solutions for professional video. Whether you're a colorist, an editor, a DIT, or a broadcast engineer, Flanders Scientific has a professional display solution to meet your needs. Learn more at flandersscientific.com. Joey, film, huh? It's, it's, a, it's a thing, I hear, uh, yep. that uh, our industry is uh, largely based on for the past hundred or so years. Um, film, when you say film to somebody, it conjures all sorts of things, right? From nostalgia of your first movie theater experience, uh, for some of us, it might be the smell of, uh, chemicals in our nose as the, as the film develops, right? Um, for some of us, it might be this thing that we've only read about in, you know, in online and in books, right? And never have had any practical experience with, um, over the past, I think over the past 20 or so years, as we have transitioned from, uh, you know, really film acquisition as a key part of the, the, the acquisition chain to digital acquisition, you know, analog acquisition with analog, you know, cameras, and then finally to digital cameras, now digital cinema cameras, um, film has for most of us kind of, uh, the actual film part of it has kind of left the, the lexicon of what we do day in and day out. Not a lot of us are handling actual film. Not a lot of us are working on projects that originated on film. There might be some of us that are still doing projects that have ultimate distribution back to film, right? That's, that's true for some people, but regardless of where you stand, there is this love affair about all things film right uh one only has to google the 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 phrase film print emulation or fpe for short to be overwhelmed I hate very the acronym yeah <laughs> very quickly be overwhelmed with a million google returns uh some people selling products and luts and ofx and various We're things not to give you call them all charlatans right but and then there's some people who are going to espouse the beautifulness of film and how digital sucks and how some people go, you know, digital's the best and film sucks. There's a lot to this, man. Uh, and in the past 20 years, film print emulation uh, has become a hot button topic for a lot of colorists. And I wanted to talk about that today because I think that there are some pros, there are some cons, and there, as you said, there's some charlatan stuff mixed in where it's just, you know, nobody knows what they're talking about. So let's talk about film print emulation. And I want to start with what does that mean to you, Joey to Anna? What does FPE mean? Because honestly, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem with it is film print emulation means whatever you want it <laughs> to mean, yeah. right? Let's, let's break it down a little bit. Film print. So are we emulating the printed display of a film? Or are we emulating the color characteristics of the negative film? Or are we emulating the whole process? Right. And when you start looking at tools to do some of this, and you start looking at visually evaluating things in this context, eh, you know, every film process is different. And historically, films have been made with chemical processes and color timed with 
chemical processes, and they were very, very specifically supervised to that project. That's why when big, big movies shoot on film, they buy gigantic batches of film so they will be from the same production run. Yep. Because that's how finicky some of this chemistry is. They don't want big shifts up and down in various directions from, oh, you know, this source film was shot, was, was manufactured two years before that one. So there is kind of the technical side of film print emulation, and there's kind of the creative side of film print emulation. Uh, I'm not a firm believer in the technical side because, no. like I said, all film processes can be emulated, but every film process is different. So, you know, this really started early in the days of what was called digital intermediate, yep. where you shot a film on film, brought it into a computer digitally, and monitored it under a transform to emulate what the final print would look like so you could manipulate it digitally with the goal of printing it back out into film and having visual consistency from what you saw digitally to what is now in film. Yep. But what now colorists are doing is taking digital sources and wanting to pretend like it's looking like it was gone through this film process for creative reasons and then printing it back out to digital. Yep. So when you get on the forums and you get on the people selling LUTs and they say, oh, subtractive film process, three layers, blah, 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 on my LUT that's magical, that'll be $1,000. <laughs> I'm sorry, they're talking out of their rear ends because if they were to emulate on a technical level a particular exposure on a particular film with a particular print, you could do this with test patterns and having access to a lab and very high quality uh, measurement tools. You can do this, which is this how the digital intermediate process used to work, right? Absolutely. They would run it through the whole process, profile every step so they could emulate it digitally, right? You're only film print emulating that one film process. And that lab in particular, right? And like, that lab. Right, exactly. And that time. <laughs> right. You know? So to me, the goal of a accurate film print emulation is just you're trying to hit a moving target and there's no point yeah well i mean so you hit on a good point here that i think is something that is uh a distinction that is important to make i think that you're right that fpe in large attempt it's about what is your goal are you trying to emulate the distribution medium of film and what it looks like projected on a screen uh, playing off a projector, you know, that kind of look? Or are you trying to recreate the acquisition aesthetic and look and feel of the actual, you know, uh, an actual acquired thing on film, right? And they're kind of two different things. I think as an acquisition medium, it's a pretty good goal to have the film look as an acquisition medium, as a, as a look, as a feel to, to a guy. Because honestly, I love the look of a lot of, acquired film right the other side of it the distribution side i don't really understand so much because uh i don't know about you but i'm sure you have you know most people have been to a theater where everything kind of looks like crap right um the print has been beat up it's you know there's scratches there's there's you know gate weave there's all these things that we have from a nostalgia point of view associated with film but they're crap, 
right? Like, yeah. no, like gate weave and like, you know, jitter and all like, that's not good, right? It's just a byproduct of them. It's a mistake of the, you know, the handling of the film, the projector, the process, whatever, right? So I think you have to be, when you go into this, regardless of whether you're doing it from a technical or creative thing, have to realize what your goal is there. And I personally think it's a, it's a perfectly good thing, or it might be a little lofty, but it's a perfectly good thing to try to treat your digital sources so they look behave feel a little bit more like film but the distribution side of it what it looks like in the theater um and the, those prints eh, i'm a little i'm a little iffy on yeah and that's where you get into what i call the creative side of it and that's where it actually gets a little bit of fun it does because there's a million intangible aspects that go into the characterization of what an image looks like whether it be a film image, digital image, whatever. By the time it gets to our eyes, it's not film or digital, right? It's just photons, right? So there are a million different aspects to that image formation process that you can react to creatively. To me, my goal when I'm doing any kind of creative look is to take the things that I feel aesthetically work with the mood of the project and the sure. creative needs of the project and look good yeah, and put right. them in yep. and the things that don't don't put them in. So I take a builder's approach to it. Uh, I love grain. I think grain is a great way of adding entropy to an image that your brain will interpret as detail. That's why a slightly grainy image usually appears a little bit sharper because you've got a little bit more localized contrast around the edges where the grain is and your brain likes that. Yep. It also helps dither out banding and stuff like that. It's just in general a very aesthetic thing that I like. Some people like exceptionally smooth images because they feel modern and clean and fresh. And that's fine, too. That's a creative decision. When it comes to color for film print emulation, there's a lot of commonalities, I think, that people associate with film, but they're really not part of film. It's just a lot of film over the time has had color response similar to this. It's not all film, but, you know, usually, and Robbie, you've seen this in basically every project I've ever graded. <laughs> uh, I like to push pure blues to into a little bit yeah. more cyan-y teal. Yep, you yep. know, not to say the teal-orange thing, but just like I like my blues to have a little bit more green in them than real blue. Yeah. Uh, to the point where when I see like a deep, pure, like primary blue... I almost kind of react negatively to be like, eh, that looks kind of, I hate to use the term video-y because again, all of this is subjective and it's not actually inherent to the format, but it looks a little video to me. Yeah, I know, right? I get it. So, so grain is one of them, I think you're right. Some of the look and color I think is another one. Actually, there, we'll put it in the show notes here, um, but company three colors, Ivan Lucas, who just did uh, the grade on the Barbie film, um, who's an incredible colorist. I love his work. Um, he has a really, really rich history of uh, proper photochemical development uh, uh, from his time working in France and now in the U.S. Anyway, he's I, he's just gifted. Um, he has a great discussion about kind of the, the initial process of FPE and kind of choosing uh, proper LUT transforms to work under, as you were talking about in the days of digital intermediate, he still kind of works that way. Uh, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing. And even then, he you know kind of basically describes of it as like, a pick and choose, try to see what works. So I know what gives us the best feel for the film, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned the grain, you mentioned kind of filmish color, right. Trying to emulate 
some stocks or what you know the response i guess of some uh of some acquisition stocks i think of so, a couple other things in that uh, that builder's equation i think about halation right and how things handle edges i think about blooming and highlight roll off a lot that to me is potentially one of the biggest things about an fpe uh when it's convincing is how the highlight because you know in film you don't really i mean you don't you don't clip in the same There's way no that pure white, right? Yeah. You don't clip in the same way that you do in a digital image, right? So that, that knee, that roll off going into, you know, pure white is a lot is essentially transparent on the film. Yeah. It's a lot softer, a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Um, and funny enough, that's actually one of the complaints that a lot of people have about like ACEs workflows, um, that they do that too much, which I kind of like, but that's another point. Um, another one is besides grain is, you know, dirt, uh, scratches, uh, we have, you know, gate weave, we have jitter. Not to be Captain Obvious here, but here's a big one I think that people often overlook about FPE is temporal resolution too about what the source is, right? People are like, oh, well, I shot in 60p and now I want it to look like film. Well, guess what? You don't have a fighting chance because <laughs> 60p is well, just... But that's the thing though. You know, people have also been shooting high-speed film for slow-mo for hundreds of years. Right. Looks completely different, typically. I actually had, and I know I've told you this story before, but I think it's very relevant. I was working for a new client, and they're like, yeah, can we do, like, a film look on this? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course. I started pushing all my shadows blue. I started doing hue versus hue and putting grain all over it. I was like, yeah, this is an awesome film print look. Yeah. They were like, no, but it's like, now it's just, it's still way too smooth. Well, they weren't even talking about color. They weren't talking about grain. This was 60i Ugh. television footage. For, or no, I'm sorry, 60p HD footage from a major sports broadcaster. So very good temporal resolution. They wanted it to stutter like 24p. That's all they wanted. They wanted me to put a fake I mean, frame rate limitation on it. I mean, everything is, else we threw out in the garbage. This is so my. This really is my first. To, what do you mean by film? This is my first experience with this, and I think a lot of other people who are like me in their mid 40s, going back to the early 2000s, probably have this experience. Um, you know, Graham Natris, who's now with Red, used to sell a uh, a set of tools, plugins for Final Cut Pro that gave a 24p look. And at yep. that time, you, if you remember correctly, that was the time of the the Panasonic, what was it, the, the DV100 or whatever that camera was, that was doing pull down to yeah, get back. Yeah, it was back, doing pull, reversible pull, pull down, down to get, so to get you, back yep. to 2398, all that stuff. So, you know, listen, if you're gonna, if you even wanna get in the, the, the you know, the universe of talking about FPE, uh, your, your temporal resolution is a key component of that, right? And how that that motion, you know, and even not even just shooting that frame rate, shooting, you know, sh you know uh, 180 degree shutter or, or whatever various shutter speeds that are associated with a with a with a film camera, right? If you're shooting, you know, too fast of a shutter, right? You're gonna get that staccato look. Things are not gonna motion blur. Uh, you're gonna have, you know, it's just not gonna feel that way. You know, I think so. And it's funny because this, despite the romanticism of film and everybody in our industry basically kind of touting film projection as the, the benchmark for so many years. Uh, this is completely subjective. The kids these days like high frame rates because they play it on their video games. Yeah. And what, what's funny is I go back to my dad was a broadcast engineer for CBS News. He was very early in innovating with uh, electronic news gathering. He was a broadcast engineer working with, you know, essentially 60 frame a second interlaced footage for decades yeah you know he still to this day will go to movies 
and complain that the motion is too stuttery. Every time they move the camera horizontally, it's all stuttery. They need a higher frame rate. We look better than this in the news in the 60s on CBS, you know? So it is a complete, every aspect of this imaging pipeline is completely subjective. Well, it's, dude, it's even, it's even like the subjectiveness of it is also like, it's almost like uh it's definitely genre based but it's also regional based too absolutely i I remember uh, a couple years ago uh we were traveling to china to do some some training uh with the the flanders scientific team as part of bir tv and at the time uh you had come along it was me you uh patrick inhofer and dan moran and uh dan who's just an unbelievable creative colorist uh, has you know really built up uh, a lot of his portfolio with his FPE kind of dirty, grungy, textured kind of looks, and he was doing a class um, uh, on FPE for this group at BIRTV in Beijing, China, and it was a you know 200 people in the room, and he was doing his thing, and you know all the Westerners standing there were like, man, this is cool, this is so awesome looking, like I love it. And he like literally legitimately getting questions of like, why are you degradating the image? Like, yeah. why are you making why it so much grain? Yeah. Why is it less sharp now? Why are you like, you know, all those kind of things. Right. So I think, um, it's really going to depend on the genre and the kind of mood, but I wanted to ask you kind of to switch gears here for a second. So as you kind of alluded to at the top of this conversation, there are people who are doing FPE in a very, Mm, scientific uh measured way right i i've heard of people even friends and colleagues of ours who are like oh i got a i got a hold of some film stock i put it in my freezer so it wouldn't degrade and one day i'm gonna take it out and i'm gonna you know put a uh you know a meter on it what are those things called densitometer or whatever they're called and put it on it and measure the density of the film so there are people who are doing this in a very scientific measured way that is repeatable to be honest with you i only understand about 50 percent of it but they are doing that work and then there are people as you said that are literally just programmatically in a plug-in or uh you know a dctl or something doing this kind of work and i wanted to ask you these new tools that we have is that is that a cop-out to do some you know use something like film convert or dehancer no, no. or something like that so you know you get to that technical side of you know you're scanning the film you're putting test patterns through the entire process like i said earlier you're emulating you can very accurately emulate one film process i think that's a fantastic starting point for building a creative film emulation right but Let's say you, you had a bunch of old film stock in your freezer and you ran it through an entire profiling process with the most accurate instruments in the world, right? You still were only profiling that set of film, developed how that film was yeah. developed and that chemistry at that time. And there's, right? some, there's some variance there, sure. Yep. There's always good, and there's a lot of variance there, which is why, like we said, the, the olden days of doing digital intermediate, they did these processes yeah. continuously through the production. Yeah. I think it's a great starting point. And a lot of the companies like Film Convert, Dehancer, and some of the other film print plugins that are coming out, film they box, go yeah. through those processes as their base, right? But then they give you lots of modification controls to work with on top of that. Because I promise you, if you just take the base settings of a particular film stock from any of those plugins 
and you go and shoot that film stock and have it professionally developed and professionally scanned and bring it in and then apply a display transform to it so you can see it, it's not going to match exactly. There's too many different variables. Yeah. But I bet you you could dial it in to match for that particular context, yep. which is, is important to think about, too, especially when you're dealing with films that have mixed sources. Say you do have some film sources in your overall project and you need to match them together. That's when you start thinking about how do we bring this in and emulate the negative sides of film that we creatively might not want to do, but to make the video stuff flow with the film, yeah. then yes, we need to emulate the same gate weave, halation, et cetera, that's in the film, in the video stuff, so you can cut between them. Right. Uh, collation's a big one. Uh, collation is one of those things that it's love it or hate it. It is inherent to film. If you don't know what halation is, and it's funny because we're talking about halation in a film print emulation podcast, but halation happens on the film negative, not on the film print. Right. Right. Uh, halation is you shoot film, there's three dye layers of film. Uh, roughly equating to your reds, greens, and blues. It's not exactly the same. It's relating to dye color, not... Uh, yeah, I get it. But yes, you, you essentially have what represents the red, green, and blue layers. Then you have the back of the camera. Light hits through that film, bounces off the back of the camera, hits the back of the film, starts exposing it again, especially around harsh edges where there's a lot of contrast, yep. which is why a lot of... Basically, all motion picture film has a black, what they call anti-halation layer on the back of it. That anti-halation layer is not perfect on any film. So you still get kind of little, little red flares around bright high contrast edges that diffuse into the grain in what I think is a very pretty And it can, it can be thing. confused a little bit for uh, lensing issues sometimes, right? It can be confused a Absolute. little bit sometimes as like- Looks kind of lens chrom chrom Chromatic aberration kind of issue, kind of thing like that. But that's- The reason why it's yeah. usually red is because that's the last layer. Yep. You know? Uh, there has been, halation has been a fad recently, right? And I'm guilty of it too. Somebody's like, I put halation on this thing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put halation on this thing. I'm gonna make my own halation. It's gonna be better than your halation. Yeah. They just came up with a halation plugin. It's awesome. Their halation plugin's better. Resolve added a halation plugin. Oh, who's got the best halation? Well, nobody's really coming back to think, is this really a good idea? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like you were so preoccupied with whether you could, you didn't really think whether you should. Uh, and I think in a lot of cases, I don't know. I really like the look of it. So, and I, but it, it only goes hand in hand with a nice heavy grain, in my opinion, because that, that flare around the edge has to diffuse into grain, not into pure smoothness. I, I agree. I, I think one of the interesting things to me that's happening in FPE these days, and it's not obtainable for us mere mortals, right? But um, at the high end, uh, I'm thinking of, for example... Uh, the the Dune film from a couple of years ago, right? Where they actually printed the film and then yep. brought it back in to get that characteristic of the print, right? I mean, and that's that's like you know, as as far as I'm concerned, like that's the right way to do it, right? Because you're actually using the actual medium. But at the same time, I look at that sometimes, and I, I have conversations with people that are smarter than I am, who are more vo uh, versed on the technical and creative details of film pipelines than I am. And I got to be honest with you, man, sometimes I just don't see the minute differences, right? I am partly convinced that people see things in emulations 
that are not actually there that they're 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 convincing themselves of something about this magical thing called film that doesn't really have an additive effect in a in a in a way that the average viewer would notice now their argument is yeah of course it's not something that you can obviously point out it's a feel it's a it's a perceptional thing you know a perceptual thing i don't know man i i just look at something like that i watched dune i watched it in the theater i could tell that you know the filminess of it yeah but i wasn't like oh my god this would be a totally different film if it was you know, completely, you know, had had taken the step out and done an emulation yeah, of some sort. Like, Dune looked amazing. It did. Take, take nothing from it. No. It looked amazing. No. But, like, I think the process of doing a film out and then bringing it back in is essentially ceding some of your creative control to randomness. Which, uh, which is a thing. I get it. Which, which is, is a, a thing. Wh- yeah, right. And you could always tweak it later. And obviously the end result was wonderful. Uh it's it's an interesting approach. I don't think I would call it the right way to do it because again, you're ceding some creative control to random analog error. Okay, so let, let me let me say it a little differently. I think it is it's certainly a way of doing it, but I guess the the broader point that I'm trying to make, and this is going to be a really unpopular thing. I I think people are think going to think I'm throwing throwing daggers, right? I just think there are some people that are a little bit elitist about this, right? Absolutely. Th- that are just sort of like. My recipe, my way of doing it is the right way of doing it. This is the only way that we can get back to this film look, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And I, I read these things as you do and as our listeners probably do ad nauseum. And I just, I'm like, who cares? Right. There's a, there's an adage that my dad always taught, has always said to me for my whole life playing golf. Right. And that is there are no pictures on the scorecard. Right. And what I mean in that con- this conversation is the process, you can talk about it right or wrong, you know, the particulars of grain versus halation versus this dye layer or whatever, right? All that really matters is at the end of the day, it gets you to the place that you want to get to, right? And whether you're doing that by buying, you know, hundreds of thousands of feet of actual film and shooting a film that way or doing a print back to film like, like Dune did or whatever, that's not better in my opinion than doing it with a tool like Filmbox or doing it with you know grain inhalation built in to resolve right all that really matters is that that look and the feel and the stylistic part works for everybody right there's no right or wrong way of of doing this and what i get particularly hmm, flummoxed by is a certain set of our industry trying to make the people that like clean, pristine, sharp looking images, make them try to feel like they're, you know, that they're wrong, that they're lower on the totem pole, that those kind of images. I mean, are, in those know, people's defense, they are kind of wrong. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but what, it doesn't matter, right? If you're doing, no. if you're doing a, 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 a commercial for, I don't know, you know, uh, a tech company, right? And it's supposed to be clean, high tech, you know, looking. The last thing that you want is freaking blooming and grain everywhere on that spot, right? And so it's really like, I, I find a lot of the FPE elitists think it's a 
for everything kind of thing. And if you're not doing it for everything, you're doing something wrong. I definitely fall into that category sometimes. You know, yeah. you get into this rhythm of, I really like this part of the look, this part of the look, this part of the look. So I keep bringing those into my projects, right? And, you know, you're right. It's not right for every project. And just to backtrack a little bit, we were talking about some of the, the plugins and the elitism that goes on with this. I, I think anybody over-touting the pure technical accuracy of whatever their film emulation solution is, that's that's a huge red flag, right? These are creative tools. Like I said, you could emulate one film process. You can't emulate all film processes. If, if the big selling point is, we are claiming to be the most accurate, and accurate is crea has creative value, then no. I think that's, that's where you get into charlatanism. Whereas, uh, uh, you know... I have no association with them, but I think Film Convert is is a fantastic plugin. Yeah. Uh, because one, I can use it in my color managed pipeline, right? None of these tools matter if you can't use them in a modern color managed pipeline. I agree. Right? Because yep. then I can't use it in my projects, right? Film Convert and some of these others just just sit into the pipeline very well, and it lets me do a look that I really like the way it looks. I am never going to claim that that is accurate to this film or that film or whatever i'm gonna say this is how i want this project to look and i like it so you know i think there's i think there's a certain set of people that are uh fpe lovers but but are pragmatic in its approach and more importantly really understand the pipeline at a deep level right um, our buddy Toby Tompkins is one person who comes to mind. Um, Colin Kelly is another person that comes to mind about this, right? You know, I think that the average Joe is when they, you know, FPE, it's like, Ooh, cool film convert, lots of sliders, just crank everything to 10 and you're done. Right. Um, I think the smart people, the, the non evangelical FPE folk, right? They're one side of this equation. The slap it on and put every you know, single slider to 11 is the other side of the equation. I think people like Toby, look. I think people like Toby and Colin, like uh, those kind of, those kind of colorists uh, that I've learned a lot from over the years go, no, 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 no. Like if we insert this part of it in this part of the pipeline, we get this result. Or if we insert this part of it over here, further down the pipeline, we get that part, but they're not they're not dogmatic about it. They're yep. using the knowledge that they have about the pipe, the film pipeline and trying to emulate that and, and add value in the parts of the pipeline that they have access into. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, that's that to me, that's, that's a great thing. Like I'm thinking back to, you know, uh, when Cullen developed uh, some of his, um, his initial DCTLs, right. You'll remember he had, uh, and I think he still sells them, but he had, a negative part of things. Mm -hmm. He had a print side of things, right? And so, like that, to me, that was like just right there. I was like, "Oh, this is so smart. You understand the pipeline enough that you're breaking out these processes into different parts of the pipeline, rather than just this one, you know, general slap it on at the end and crank all the sliders to eleven kind of." Thing. Yeah, and just a quick like big up to Cullen for those, for those plugins. They were, they, I, like I, said, I think he still sells them yep. and what he's still currently has very good creative look development tools. I would say one of my favorite short films I ever graded was when we first got access to those plugins and I was really exploring them and it just had an overall look to it that I just absolutely loved. Yep. Uh, yep. And, now, and, and Cullen's a great example again, because 
because he really understands the underlying pipeline, he's not just slapping it on there to slap yes, it on it there. It is pragmatic. It is absolutely it is intent driven. And that's right? and, to, is, and to me, that's the best. You know, I I think I just you know when everybody mentions this 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 FPE thing, my first thought is just oh you just mean slapping some grain on it and like now it's filmic right, but that you know doing that scientific part about it and then taking the results of that scientific part about it and realizing that nope I'm in a modern digital color correction tool that has its own workflows with color managed pipelines et cetera et cetera let me insert where I can that's the now I'm gonna use it again. That's the right way to do it from yes. my, my point of view. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That is the, the kind of, that's the creative approach to take. This is a tool we're using as a tool. The, 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 the big thing that, that people get mixed up with too that I think is really important to mention is if you're being this heavy handed with a, an image effect on your, your image, you're really throwing away a lot of the DP and director's work and they might not appreciate that. I, if you talk, to, if yeah. you look at any of, okay, let's go back to the, the, the name, film print emulation. When you hear that, what do people as a whole associate it with? They don't actually associate it with a particular set of looks. They associate it with the perception of high quality and high budgets, right? I can make it look like this movie. Well, no, unless you hire those actors and that set designer and those production and those yeah. lighting guys, you're not making it look like that movie because 98% of the final look of a film happens in front of the lens, right? So to be able to kind of, again, when these guys claim that we can technically make it super accurate to the look of such and such film no that that's charlatanism that's that's they're they're making they're they're talking out of their butt because they're they're just the lighting the production design the the creative intent all of that matters so much more than a volumetric color manipulation to make it look like a certain film process you know I uh, I don't know if you've seen it and I've only watched the first few episodes of it um but a shout out to our at least to my color philosophical hero, that is Walter Volpato. Um, Walter uh, graded a show, uh, I think it's now in its second season, called Winning Time, which yeah. is the uh, show about the Los Angeles Lakers, the basketball team back when- It looks amazing. The days of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and Magic Johnson, that stuff. And it's, I mean, honestly, it's pretty heavy handed in the, way, in the way that it looks, but you can, you're, it's without it's with considered thought because when you look at it right the look and feel of the color the grain everything actually matches up perfectly with wardrobe makeup set design it's not like you had this modern clean looking story and in production design that just had some grain and some relation yeah. and stuff slapped on top of it. It makes sense for the period, 16 mil kind of look, right? Um, eight mil kind of look too. It makes sense for the period, the concept, the story. And those two things are not divorced, right? And to me, that's what I was trying to go back to. Like when I mentioned like, you know, doing a tech ad that's supposed to be super, you know, super clean or whatever, right? Like that's just not the place for that kind of thing, right? And it's arguable, like, you know, I see I see some shows, some films that uh, I'm just clearly bothered by how much they tried 
to make it look like that right to make yes. the film like the film part of it almost becomes like a character now in certain situations think like wes anderson for example right it's just become the shtick this everything about those is just off the charts like what am i looking later at later seasons of halt and catch fire <laughs> right exactly right which i love that look right, that's, I, that's I, it's a, very heavy-handed but i loved it again another thing where the story lines up to the way that the pictures are presented where I'm bothered about it is when something is, again, clearly clearly clean, storyline is modern, clean, and all of a sudden the whole thing looks like 8mm film, but we're supposed to be in 2023, yeah. uh, you know, like in an – like it doesn't make sense, right? So I think, I think that, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, choosing wisely as Walter did and hit that team for that show, it makes perfect sense. And I, I, I would say one last thing about this is that – Subtlety, I have found, is a lost art with a lot of this process, right? In other words, you and you said this at the beginning, like um, adding a little bit of subtle grain can like, you know, per, uh, change perceived sharpness about things, right? That's a very subtle thing, right? You're talking about grain in that process that you have to really pixel peep to kind of see, right? And I think that subtlety in an FPE is something that a lot of people don't provide to it. They just go, I want 100% of this look and not taking the builder's approach that you, that you have, have mentioned, you know? Yeah. And I think, uh, the, the, the other part of the equation that we haven't really talked about yet is the display yeah. part of the equation, right? We've talked about manipulating the images the sources, Stuff like that. But now we're moving into an era where, while film projection used to be the gold standard for high-fidelity display of an image, now it's not. Yeah. Modern laser projectors for cinema, modern HDR TVs have a far better display capability of film projection. So how do you take these creative looks and bring them into that world? That's where it gets harder. That's where you mentioned winning time that Walter graded looks great in hdr yeah right there's no real like hdr film projection there's no benchmark to compare oh well if this was an hdr film print it would look like this that doesn't exist right so we're taking those creative aspects and putting them into, into a modern context and i think like you said in those situations discretion is and, and subtlety is so important because people want to say, I've got the best film print look on this thing. But if you can't really notice it, if it's subtle, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, I want I want to buy that LUT from you, right? So part of it goes into this inflation of selling looks that is just pointless in my head. But I want to bring up another example for people to just watch and critically look at creatively and just take in and that is uh, Ian Vertovic's work on Glow. Oh, dude, dude, uh, hold on a second. I think that is Let's the just... best-looking filmic, <laughs> not film, but filmic HDR grade I have ever hold, seen. Hold on a second. And not, it's just, not in it's all the right pieces in all the right places to make it work with the story. Dude, hold on a second. This is so funny because we did not pre-plan this. I am literally, because I couldn't remember the name of the show. I'm literally on IMDb right now, and I searched for Ian's name. And I was like, what was the name of that show? Yeah, in fact, Glow, right? Uh, 2017 to 2019, 30 episodes. Um, Absolutely, I in my opinion, 
the best you can possibly do yeah. with this kind of creative style that we're talking about. Totally. And Ian, Ian is, in my opinion, obviously a master color. She's one of the best out there. But his level of subtlety, like he did a show uh, uh, that I'm also looking here on IMDb, uh, The Old Man, uh, which I think was Amazon. Um, and that was, again, it, it had obviously shot on modern, modern cinema cameras, but took the builder approach to texture and look without hitting you over the head with it, right? And I think that's the important thing about FE. I, I, um, another friend of ours who I think does great work in this regard, uh, Brian Singler, who does a lot of high-end spot work, he brings a lot of that, that same kind of thing, right? Like, I'm going to sprinkle this where it aids the look and feel of it but not hit you over the head with it. And I think that's that's the, the the thing about FPE that a lot of people are trying to do, and I think they do it poorly, is just, you know, to borrow the spinal tap analogy, everything to 11 with a particular look. And it's just like, no, I think you could do much better at two or three, right, than 11, and just and sprinkle that in. And again, that, that sprinkle approach of not taking it to 11 only can work with good photography, good lighting, and good production design. Well, you said this earlier, and I, maybe you didn't say it this exact way, but I'll say it this way. Oftentimes, the decision to go heavy-handed is hiding something. Yeah. It's hiding mistakes. It's hiding problems. It's, you know, I, I, how many times have you sat with a client and go, well, we just make it black and white. I think it will look pretty good. Oh, yeah. It'd be perfect. <laughs> you know? We'll fix the white balance right up, and it'll be art. <laughs> you know, and I think and, that, that oftentimes is like, you know, when you're sitting there with a client, you're going... Okay, what do I do? They're asking for something. They're asking for something. They're asking for something. Oh, I know. Let's do a grainy 16 mil look, right? And it's yes. like, turn it to, and I, and it, you know, so it is sometimes a little bit of a mask for sort of for problems. You know, the programs that we just spoke about, um, I got to sound like an old man saying programs. The, uh, the films and the shows that we were talking about, those are great examples of a considered, thought out, well done, put it in the right parts of the pipeline approach, right? Which is yeah. wholly different than I think a lot of the, the the general industry of just slap it on there. And where you put it in the pipeline matters so much because it, it, it impacts consistency, right? I, I want to bring up one example, not to be completely self-serving, but it's one that I'm very familiar with, which was a feature that we finished uh, about two years ago called the, called the, uh, the Road to Galena, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that had a filmic kind of look you know we i sat with the director and the dp and we developed kind of a base transform from the camera raw through aces which is how i was color managing it to the display and the 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 film emulation aspect of it is just a node at the very end before the display transform that does some volumetric color stuff does a tiny bit of tinting to the shadows and adjusts the contrast a little bit just to get those little volumetric color things that I personally associate with the film things that I've seen that I like. Like yeah. I said, those tealish blues, sure. kind of a little bit warmer highlights of everything. And by putting that at the end of the pipeline, it gave the entire film, no matter how I balanced any particular scene, just this little bit of consistency. But it was so subtle. Like if you go to any scene and turn that node on and off, you get a reasonable grade without the node on any of them, right? They just don't, for example, have that same kind of feel, but it let us do scenes that were wildly different as they should be on a scene by scene basis, but still in this overall ecosystem 
of the film as a whole. And I think that's where film print emulation can really be smartly used, right? It gives you a cohesive, creative anchor point for an entire film or an entire show where you never seem to leave the world, but different scenes can still yeah. be completely different environments. Yeah. All good stuff, man. This is, uh, you know, this is a surely a discussion that's not going to end our, our, our brief take on it. And I think it's also important to, to note that, you know, my feelings about this ebb and flow is I'm sure yours do as well. Sometimes, you know, some moments I'm all about grungy, dirty, you know, kind of filmy looks. Other times I'm all about clean, simple, you know, more digital looks. I think, you know, the thing that I've learned is just that it has to fit. It has to match the content, the look, the feel, what people are going for. And I, I trust, I just really strongly urge people not to use FPE as a crutch uh, to, to do something, right? Like, you know, it's it, it can be used judiciously to sprinkle some of these aspects and these, these nostalgic things that we like, grain, halation, you know, uh, the printy color, et cetera. But I think where it's done wrong is when people hit you over the head with it. I think um, it really has to gel with the story, has to gel with the overall creative direction to be done right. Yeah, and with any of these kind of, I hate to say trendy looks, but in a lot of ways, this is kind of trendy yeah. and has been for a while. You get into a rhythm, right? You, you, you start as a colorist, as an artist, to like certain things, and then you gravitate towards that on projects that may or may not be right for it. You got to break out of your comfort zone. Yeah every so often totally. and, and expand your horizons. And I'm guilty of that. Like I have oh, gotten yeah. into rhythms where I'm like, oh, this looks awesome. This looks awesome. This looks awesome. And they all kind of look the same, which in my head means they look awesome, but I'm probably closing my brain off to some possibilities I mean, creatively. I had, uh, a, I had a situation. That I, shouldn't that, be. I had a situation the other day, just muscle memory habit. Again, that same pattern. I was doing a, a spot for like a financial services company and like I grunged it all up and I looked at it. I was like, no, this is just not right. Like, I don't yeah. need, you know, grain and my black level at, you know, 20% or whatever on the waveform here for this because that's just not what it is, you know? So you're right. It's about matching it up. So ongoing conversation, probably never going to end, but at least our two cents on it in 2023. Um, some good stuff here. Thanks, Joey, for, for your thoughts. Uh, and to everybody out there uh, listening and watching, thanks as always for checking out the Offset Podcast. Uh, remember, we drop episodes twice a month, so our library is continually building up. Uh, be sure to check out uh, previous episodes on wherever you check out podcasts. Remember, we're also on YouTube. And then you can also drop by um, theoffsetpodcast.com uh, if you want to come right to the site to uh, listen to episodes, see show notes, and stuff like that. So for the old Offset Podcast, I'm Robbie Carmen. And I'm Joey Deanna. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. See you next time.